You know what was on the jukebox in the front. Now Matt the Cat's gonna show you what was on the juke in the bag. Hey there, hep cats and crazy kittens. I'm Matt the Cat, where it's at. Back on the scene with my jukebox record machine, ready to work and keep it clean. Laying down the renowned sound that's all around. It's the juke in the back and a solid hour of 1940s and 50s rhythm and blues you can use from the top of your head to the soles on those worn out walking shoes. This is the soul that came before rock and roll. And this week, jukers, jivers, and whalers, I have to deliver the sad news that another originator of rock and roll has left us. The great Lloyd Price left us on May 3rd, 2021, at the age of 88. He died of complications of diabetes. And man, it's heartbreaking to see one of the remaining pioneers of rhythm and blues and early rock and roll pass on. It's a shame, but we really don't have that many left. I was fortunate enough to get to know Lloyd Price over the last 16 years. We first met at XM Satellite Radio for an interview for my old rhythm and blues radio show, Harlem. He came to the XM studios in Washington, DC, and we sat down for a two and a half hour interview. During that interview, Lloyd was very candid. He answered every question I had, most of the time with a smile. He was so open and honest about everything that happened during his life, and his life had so many peaks. You know, he got into the business at such a young age. He was just barely 17. And right out of the gate, he scored a number one record with Lottie Miss Claudie. The hits continued, and as rock and roll started to hit the mainstream, Lloyd Price seamlessly switched over and became more of a rock and roll and pop artist, scoring hit after hit. In 1959, Stagger Lee was a ginormous hit, hitting number one on the pop charts for four weeks, selling over a million copies. All told, Lloyd would have 17 hit records on the pop charts. Not bad for a kid from Kenner, Louisiana. But his career wasn't limited to just singing. Lloyd was an entrepreneur who began his own record label, KRC Records, in 1955. He would have other labels, like Double L. He'd own a nightclub, the Turntable Nightclub, which was formerly Birdland in New York. He promoted huge boxing events, like the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thrilla in Manila. An avid professional bowler hit his own line of bowling balls. And more recently, he marketed his own line of sweet potato cookies. Lloyd Price was a renaissance man, and we're very fortunate to still have that interview I conducted with him back in 2005, because I want you to hear Lloyd Price's story in Lloyd's own words. We'll hear that story in just a couple of minutes, but first, let's kick off this week's tribute to the late, great Lloyd Price with the flip side of his very first single from his very first recording session, 
held at Cosimo Matassa's J&M Recording Studio on March 13, 1952, in New Orleans with an all-star New Orleans backing band, spinning off of specialty records. Here's Mailman Blues. Night before the last, the mailman knocked on my door. Well, night before the last, the mailman knocked on my door. He said, Get ready, brother, this time you have to go. Oh, mailman, mailman, tell me what you got for me. Oh, mailman, mailman, tell me what you got for me. He said, a long letter, brother, we need you across the sea. Well, now all day long is one, two, three, and Price with one half of his very first single for Specialty Records in 1952. That's Mailman Blues. And we're going to hear the other side. Lottie, Miss Claudie, in just a couple of minutes. But first, I want this child of rhythm and blues and this father of rock and roll, Lloyd Price, to tell you, cats and kittens, how he got started in his own words as we feature the late, great Lloyd Price on this week's Juke in the Back. Here's a clip from my 2005 interview with Lloyd. My mother had a little fish fry. She had, on Thursday nights, she built this little room onto the house where she could fry fish and make potato salad and, and sell beer and soft drinks on the weekend. And inside of that, it was a, a, a piano, an old broken down piano and a jukebox. And we kids never had anything to do. Who was on the scene? Professor Longhair was on the scene. Uh, Smiley Lewis, uh, Larry Donnell, uh, Paul Gaten and Anna Laurie. Uh, man, Big Joe Turner was hanging out in New Orleans. Ray Charles had just got there to the Dew Drop. So we were teenagers, but we could not go hear all these great people. We just heard about them. So we would try to mimic all these great artists that who was in town or living in New Orleans 
in my mother's shop on that old piano, we would try to do that. Up <clears throat> in the late part of 1951, uh, there was a disc jockey came to town. First black, big, and he was a big guy, disc jockey, named Okie Dokie Smith. And at that time, we, you know, we was listening to WLAC and, and from um, Randy's Mark in Nashville, Tennessee, Big John R. Only time we would hear uh, rock and roll and rhythm and blues music, of course, it had no name to it at that time, was that night. And it was like coming from, from the Mars. <laughs> we barely hear it. Why not only Harris and these people? We decided that we would put a band together ourselves, my little brother and me, and try to make that match that same music that we heard on WLAC from Nashville, Tennessee, and Okie Dokie Smith, who had just came to town. Well, here's the hook, Matt. He had one commercial, and it was Maxwell House Coffee. So he had to make up his own rhymes and everything for this Maxwell House Coffee. And the radio station didn't pay these guys. They only got paid by whatever sponsorship they brought in. So he had, Lord and Miss Claudia, eat mother's homemade pies and drink Maxwell House Coffee. Lord, it missed Claudia. So, you know, one day I was listening to that. I was listening to that. I was said, whoa. I decided to go. Now, he on air now maybe four or five months. We're inside of 1952. And I said, well, you know what? I think I could write that. And I start banging on the panel. Lordy, 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 Miss Claudia. Girl, you. I just made a girl out of it. You know what I mean? And Dave Bartholomew, who at that time, was the first black producer in New Orleans. And he had produced a record on a guy called Fats Domino and uh, was called The Fat Man. They called, they called me The Fat Man. Well, that I had heard that kind of melody all my life because we all played what they call an eight-bar blues. We all would stand on the corner. We could take that same melody and sing a thousand songs to it. But Fats just happened to take it and made Fat Man because he played piano. And it was a smash, super smash. And we tried to do that. But then I was playing uh, Fat Man when Dave Bartholomew came in. I decided to go and play Lord and Miss Claudia to that same eight bars, that, that music. And he heard me making up all these words. And I never sung the same line twice. He said, you know what? I like that. Maybe, maybe that could be a hit record. Totally, totally new terminology to me, new language. I never heard anything about a hit or record. I didn't know what that was. Even though my mother had a jukebox, I used to dance to Louis Jordan, every record that come up, Amos Milburn, Roscoe Gordon. I knew all these people by name because I always loved music. <clears throat> and he's telling me that I could do that. Uh, I thought he was joking. So he said, you know what? Play that for me again. I played it for him again, ad lib. Couldn't remember no words because I didn't know nothing about writing no songs and nothing like that. He said, you know what? I got a guy coming in town. I want you to play that for him. I'm going to bring him out here and I want him to hear it. The guy's name was Art Root from Specialty Records. Sure enough, three weeks pass. He brings Art Root out to my mother. And I played Lord and Miss Claudia for Art Root. And Art Root used a term I never will forget. He said, oh, that could be a smash. And had his wife with him, Lee Roop, and she said, I love it, I love it, I love it. So they said, you know what, we're going to record you. Had no idea what they was talking about. Said, I got to go to Baton Rouge. I'll be up there for maybe a week or two. But when I come back through here, I want you to meet me at Cosmos. I'm going to record you. Okay. I said, okay. And that was it. 
Two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, Dave Bartholomew calls me up. I want you to meet me at Cosmos. Come on down here right now. I get on the bus, and I goes down to North Rampart Street to Cosmos. And in that studio, it was a little studio, not half big as this, Fats Domino, Dave Bartholomew, Lee Allen, Earl Palmer, McLean, the greatest musicians, my all my heroes that I had heard about. Professor Longhair was even in the studio, but he was not going to play out. Of, I didn't know who was going to play. Uh, Fats Domino later told me he just had dropped by because he heard Dave was going to have a session. He had no business being there. But to make a long story short, Fats Domino got on the piano, and on, as you hear that int- that uh, that introduction on Lord and Miss Claude, he was playing that. I said, oh, this guy could really play piano. And I'm standing in the corner. I don't know what to do. I'm just standing there. And Dave Bartholomew came in the studio. Art Roop and Lee Roop is in the booth with Cosmo. He tells me to go over and get on a microphone. So I don't know what he's talking about, a microphone. <laughs> what is a microphone? So he said, over there, go stand over there in that corner. And he brought this big old mic. Mike was that big, the head on the mic. And he said, just say something. And I said, what you want me to say? And he said, just keep talking. I kept talking. And he said, okay, we got that. And uh, go over and give Fats the key. Now, what key? What is <laughs> What key? I don't have no key. <laughs> no, no, no. Go over and sing the song for him. You know what I mean? I went over and Fats still playing this introduction. So Fats says, come on, sing, 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 sing that thing for me. And I said, Lordy, 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 Miss Claudy. And I sung it down. He said, oh, I got it. He said, okay. So Dave said, you know what? Sing that three times. I thought he was talking about the same thing. So he said, I sung it all. He said, no, 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 you got to change it. And I started, well, I'm going to tell my mama you took my money and you stay out late at night. That was my three subject matters I was going to deal with. Did that Fats play that introduction again. Lee Allen took a solo. I sung it twice in Bye Bye Claudio Darling. Never heard it. There's no playback. Never heard it. That was the end of it. He said, do you have another side? Sing another song. Well, I was thinking about going in the Army. So Fats started playing a boogie-woogie. And I just said, well, night before last, the mailman knocked on my door. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, night before last, same. And Fats said, dude, well, I knew how to do 12 bars, you know, in lyrics. So I just kept ad-lipping, ad-lipping, ad-lipping. Lee Allen took another solo. End of that, never heard anything. One take on Mailman Blues, too? One take, one take. That was the beginning of what they now call rock and roll. Because I 
Generous support for Juke in the Back provided by weekly sustainers Janice Stenhouse, Robert Stallworth, Barry from San Diego, Mr. Lee, David Ayers, Thomas Huber, Joe Metzger, The Wolfman, Bernie Rossman, and contributors Derek Justman, Scott Moeller. Thank you for your support. More information at jukeintheback.org. You're listening to The Juke in the Back with Matt the Cat. Number five rhythm and blues record from October of 1952. It was Lloyd Price's second single release from his second recording session for Specialty Records, held on June 26th, 1952. Dave Bartholomew's band is still backing Lloyd up on this session, but Fats Domino is not playing the piano on this one. Edward Frank is. Before Restless Heart, we heard Lloyd Price's million-selling chart topper, Lottie Miss Claudie, recorded on March 13th of 52. It was issued in May, and by July 12th, it hit number one on the jukebox chart, where it remained for seven weeks. It unfortunately did not cross over to the pop chart. Lottie Miss Claudie was the first of 22 chart entries 
on the rhythm and blues lists up through 1976. We're featuring the late great Lloyd Price on this week's Juke in the Back, and let's head back to my 2005 interview with Lloyd to talk more about those early years at Specialty Records. When you talk about the first rock and roll records, you know, it's always uh, Good Rockin' Tonight, Wynoni Harris, it's um, you know, Rocket 88, Jackie Brinston and Ike Turner. It's Lottie Miss Cloudy, Lloyd Price. You know, oh, yeah. it's always, you're right there with, well, what was the first rock? Well, you know, and, and you got that list. You know, on my show, we talk about that all the time. Well, what was the first rock and roll record? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, I don't like to actually say, because there's no, there's no answer. They were all, you know what I mean? It was happening. It was records. happening at the time. That's and, correct. And and everything was happening. But Lottie Miss Claudie, like you it, said, I mean, it was it was uh, unstoppable. It, it was turned incredible. the world around, Matt. Uh, even though Roscoe Garden and uh, Ike Turner, they had a great Rocket Eight Eight was a big record, and uh, Winona Harris was a big record. But yeah. nothing yeah. turned the world around like Lottie Miss Claudie. Miss Claudie was that was a teenage record. They understood it. I was a kid in uh, where it really was big was in skating rings because. That was the skate time. Everybody wanted to roller skate during that period. You could not go in a skating ring in America where Lord and Miss Claudia was not the song all night long. They skated to it. So that gave me a really good kind of, uh, I guess, vision of where this music was going to go and how the kids was buying it and how they liked it. So, But I didn't hear, I heard other records there, but they didn't play no records like they played Lord and Miss Claudia. It's interesting how Mailman Blues was the flip side, and and you're talking about going overseas, and sure enough, what two years, two years, three years later, you're overseas. No, it happened before then, actually. Um, when did you go over? I went over. I went overseas in uh, Lord. Yeah, actually, it was about two years. 54. I went over in, in November of 1954. And I recorded Lord of Miss Lord of Miss Claudia came out say summertime nineteen fifty two. Well, I had just about rewritten the whole music book in that period of time, and I was told by my draft board that I was causing such a ruckus with my music and integrating places that should not have been integrated with kids dancing together outside. Let me give you an example, Matt. When I would go to town they had each town I went into, they had what they call was spectators. The white kids were spectators. And it was like say a black dance. There was almost always, always, always more spectators than it was black kids who came to see me. And that most well, sometime it was fifty percent. But the white kids always would always outweigh the black kids. I guess because economically they had the money to come. And so they start putting a rope in the middle of the buildings in North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Virginia, uh, because they all wanted to be on the same floor. Back during that time, they would do the dances in armories, in the military armories they had upstairs. Well, they, there was never enough room for the spectators upstairs, so they had to start bringing them downstairs. So when they brought them downstairs to keep them from integrating, they had to put a rope in the middle of the floor, and the white kids would dance on one side, Black kids would dance on the other side. Well, you can imagine how long that lasts. And there was never no more than one cop. And there was never no incidents. And But they that, that, that kind of, to me, was what we call integration. When that rope came down, these kids just started mingling. There was never no problem, never no fight, never nothing. If the cop wouldn't have been there, it was just would have been like any ordinary place in the world 
where people mix and respect each other as human beings. But that was the reason why I went into the service, because my music, as they said, was causing the ruckus. Oh, 
Lloyd Price with Ain't It a Shame from a session held in Los Angeles, California at Universal Recorders from October 13, 1952. That was his fourth recording session. It wasn't released until early 1953, and Ain't It a Shame hit number four in February of 53. Before that, we heard Oh, Oh, Oh! A number four record from October of 52. It was the flip side to Restless Heart and recorded at Lloyd's second recording session held on June 26th of 52 in New Orleans. This next one was also recorded at that very same June session and issued as the flip side to Ain't It a Shame. It hit number eight on the National Rhythm and Blues lists. Here's this week's feature, Lloyd Price with Tell Me Pretty Baby. Drumming on that record, Tell Me Pretty Baby, 
Lloyd Price with a big number eight charter. I'm at the Cat and we're featuring the early music of the late great Lloyd Price on this week's Juke in the Back. Let's go back to my 2005 interview with Lloyd Price talking about those early days at Specialty Records and contracts. Well, you, you probably didn't even have a contract or anything with, uh, with Specialty, right? Because, I mean, Roop just released the record and didn't, I mean, you obviously you didn't even know it was you. You didn't even know it was coming out. So, obviously, you didn't sign on a dotted line, or did you? No. What happened with Matt was this. You're absolutely correct. I did not have a contract. When the record hit, Art Root came down here because I was a minor. I couldn't sign a contract. He had to have my uh, my parents to sign for me. And your parents were kind of strict, weren't they? Yes, they were. You know, it was eight kids. They, I mean, oh. eight boys and three girls. It was 11 of us. Wow. So they had to be strict. I was the, like the eighth kid. And I was probably what you call a good child. I worked with my father. I did a lot. I was working. What was my, your father doing? What were you my doing? My father was... My father was, I, I guess what you call a Jack Lake plumber. He would put septic tanks and stuff in the ground. Uh-huh, yeah. He would, you know, tie in uh, uh, drainage to the houses. He'd never done the internal work, but he always, always would do the outside work for the plumbers. And I was his helper. And he certainly did not want to get uh, rid of me. <laughs> yeah. But when Art Root came down and found out that I was not even 18 years old, not old enough to sign a contract, he came up with this lawyer, Charles Levy, who later became Fats Domino's manager and administrator. To take me across the river in New Orleans, we call it across the river, to a place in Gretna, Louisiana. And I was emancipated. I was, I was, I had my own power of attorney. My mother and father gave me power of attorney to do whatever I wanted to do with my life. I could do anything except vote. And that kind of like, I grew up, and it's kind of like part of my history of why I do, and why I did all my own stuff, because at the age of 17, I signed my own contract with Art Root for 3%. I had the first 3% contract during that period. Art Root, I think the record had sold maybe 50,000, and he'd seen it to be a big record, and he had no contract on it. And Don Roby... He had to get you, because if he didn't have you, you could have gone someplace else and make an even bigger record, Absolutely. right? So he had to get you under contract. So he gave you a good deal yes. to get you under contract. He gave me three, not three percent, three cents. He gave me three, three cents, cents on each record. Yeah, when people was getting a penny, some wasn't getting nothing. So he gave me three cents a record. And Don Roby had Buffalo Booking Agency at the time, who had Gatemouth Brown, Big Mama Thornton, Johnny Ace, and mm. all these folk, rushed to my house to sign me to his agent agency, and he started thinking oh, that I was going to be a big star. You're going to be bigger than anybody. White kids love you. Black kids love you. Everybody love you. So they kind of was hipping me, and I never drank, never smoked, still don't. I wanted to learn, and I was learning as these guys was talking to me uh, how to do business. And from 17, I kind of like managed my own boat. Oh, 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 oh,
she say? Lord, that's my daughter, my one and only child. You running a pool girl crazy, so about to drive me wild. Oh, oh, what's the matter now? Oh, oh, what's the matter now? Madness with mud lost It's time for the Great 78, where we take a thick piece of shellac and harken back to a time when 78 RPM records were king. And since we're paying tribute to the late great Lloyd Price on this week's show, I wanted to play a short record that packs quite a wallop. It was recorded on April 16th of 1953 and released on specialty records shortly after that. It's this week's Great 78. Lloyd Price with a common New Orleans greeting. Where you at? I looked all over New Orleans 
You're listening to The Juke in the Back with Matt the Cat. So Long, from the late, great Lloyd Price, recorded at his second recording session in New Orleans, June 26, 1952, but not issued as a single by Specialty Records until mid-53. I'm at the Cat, and you're digging this week's tribute to Lloyd Price, right here on the Juke in the Back, and the soul that came before rock and roll. And Lloyd was a big part of the music that would help create rock and roll. Let's hear one more segment from my 2005 interview with the great Lloyd Price, talking more about his early career. Well, back at that time, um, and and you know, uh, I, 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 it's it's good to hear, um, good to get the the actual information about how the contract came about and how you emancipated yourself. That's amazing. I mean, even even at that time, you were making you know your own important decisions for your career. I mean, you know, nobody was like leading you around. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of funny because the history I've, I've done dug up on that time too, is that Bartholomew was supposed to be, you know, he was working for Lou Chud at Imperial as the talent scout, but him and Lou had a fallen out. So he started doing some moonlighting on the side for uh, art to kind of sock it to Lou Chud. And that's when he discovered you. Yeah. You could have been on Imperial if he was... That is totally correct. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that that would have necessarily changed a whole lot, 
but I'm, I'm a label guy. I really like uh, I like the label histories and, and I love just record labels, you know? Right. So for me, the record label is a lot more important to me than it might be to some people, but seeing you on specialty and trying to picture you on Imperial, too. <laughs> and, I mean, it's uh, you know, not that far-fetched, but of course, Dave was a, I mean, you know, smi- like you mentioned, Smiley Lewis, the Spiders were big down oh, in New yes. Orleans. Yeah. And, uh, and Shirley and Lee were big. No question. Dave hey. was the man. All right, so you came out of the military. It's 1956, right? Right. You start your own record label, KRC? KRC. And what that stand for? Kent Record Corporation. Uh, how that came about was I had written this song called Just Because, and I bought my contract back from our group, bought my contract back from uh, Don Roby, book, Don Roby's Buffalo Booking Agency because I wanted to do my own business. I'm just a kid. I said, maybe if the record hit for Don Roby and hit for Art Root and hit for Luchup, it should hit for me. I had no idea what I was doing. I took an office at 913 U Street up there by uh, Powers, right in front of you. It was a police station right in front. And I said, well, I'm going to do it right here. I, my hopes was to sign Fats Domino, sign all the... Uh, new Bring them on over. Yeah, the New Orleans artists. You know, uh, Professor Long. I certainly would have given them more than a penny or a nickel. You know, because <laughs> ha- half of it is yours. Whatever we make, we make it together. That was my idea of, of a record company back during that time. But I knew, I had no idea what I was doing. And I had my cousin here, who was Larry Williams, was driving me. He was my chauffeur. Picked him up in New Orleans and brought him here. Living with me at my house when I wrote Just Because. So when I did Just Because and put the record out here, John Bandy and I forget who was in the box down at WST in Washington here, uh, they went right on the record. Record just broke out. Swart Brothers, Maxi Waxy was started on the record. My cousin Larry Williams asked me to loan him some money to go home. He lived in California at the time in San Francisco. Uh-oh, I, so smell, I, said, okay. I smell a story here. <laughs> I said, okay. I gave him the money, and uh, he went in straight to Art Root. Told Art Root he had wrote just because. And Art Root recorded it. And now I can't go up against Specialty. At that time, Specialty was the biggest R&B company in the country. Atlantic, nobody was close to specialty because they had all the gospel. They had Little Richard. Yeah, well, I had taken him Little Richard, you know, and just before I went. I, in fact, I I met Little Richard before I went in the Army and told Art Root about Little Richard. I called him from Tokyo and told him he should have Little Richard send him some tapes. When Larry Williams told Art Root that he had wrote the song, Art Root called me and told me, don't put the record out, you know, send him my invoices. Because I'm doing his song, which was all wrong. Bill Boskin had, had just because copywritten. ABC had just came on the scene, ABC and Paramount, okay? Fred Foster, who, you know, had Monument Records, sure. at that time was a national promotion man. He came over to see me, said, listen, Art Root's going to bury you with this record. I'm trying to do the record on my own. I don't know what I'm doing. And they offered me, listen to this, Matt. Back during that time, in 1956, offered me $25,000 advance for the record and a 10% royalty, and I keep the publishing. Wow. It's a win-win situation for you. Couldn't let it go. You get national distribution. Absolutely. And they told me, don't worry about Art Root. They'll take care of that. 
And that's what happened. We outsold Art Root. Larry Williams didn't get off, but it did build him a career. He's my first cousin. Just because you left and said goodbye Do you think that I will sit and cry? Even if my heart should tell me so Price with Just Because, originally issued on his own KRC record label in 1956. It was then picked up by ABC Paramount and in March of 1957, topped out at number three on the Rhythm and Blues chart and crossed over to number 29 pop, Lloyd's first of many pop successes. He was a top seller well into the early 60s with songs like Personality, I'm Gonna Get Married, Where Were You on Our Wedding Day, Stagger Lee, Lady Luck, Question, and so many more. He basically started Wilson Pickett's solo career on his Double L record label. He had his own nightclub in New York City, The Turntable. He moved to Africa for several years and promoted huge boxing fights like the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thrilla in Manila, just to name a few. He would make a comeback in the 1980s playing the oldies circuit, and more recently he started his own cookie company, 
Lloyd Price was also a championship bowler. He and I kept in touch long after that 2005 interview. I had him on several of my radio shows over the years, and he would occasionally just call or send a text. Lloyd was a genuinely nice guy. He cared about people, and you can hear it in those interview snippets. If you'd like to hear the complete Lloyd Price interview, go on over to my website at mattthecat.com and click on Radio Interviews. The whole thing is up there. We lost Lloyd Price at the age of 88 from complications of diabetes on May 9th, 2021. He and his contributions to music will never be forgotten. Remember, cats and kittens, until next time, soul, it's a feeling. And you get that feeling each week when you tune into your source for 1940s and 50s rhythm and blues right here on The Juke in the Back. Let's go out with a real jiver that was recorded in Los Angeles at Universal Recorders in Hollywood on June 27, 1953. And even though LA musicians were used on this session, this song still has a solid New Orleans feel, both musically and lyrically. Here's the late great Lloyd Price with one you don't hear every day. It's Frog Legs. Catch y'all on the flip side next time. Bye-bye. Well, now, hey, everybody, come and stand in line. I'm your frog leg man, come on by. See, I don't live here, I'm just passing through. I got frog legs coming by a few. Frog legs, frog legs. I'm your frog leg man. Thanks for dropping by. Feel free to let Matt the Cat know if you dug the show. Email him at mattthecat at mattthecat.com. 
Juke in the Back is recorded at Rosie's Juke Joint, located at the Stepping Stone Inn in Salem, Massachusetts. For more information, please visit jukeintheback.org. I'm Miss Rosie. See you next time on the Juke in the Back.